You are listening to the First Tech Podcast. These podcasts are designed for authorised financial advisors. If you are not an authorised financial advisor, you may find the content of this podcast difficult to follow as it assumes you have the necessary training and qualifications to understand the concepts discussed. You should also be aware the information contained in this podcast is general information only and does not take into account any of your personal circumstances, needs or objectives. When a client sells and purchases a new home, the impact on their social security entitlements needs to be carefully considered. Now, the good news is that social security has some really important concessions that exempts the sale proceeds they intend to use to purchase their new home from the assets test. In addition, where those sale proceeds are held in a financial investment, they're deemed at the lower deeming rate. However, while the rules may appear conceptually simple, like a lot of things, they can start to get complicated depending on what the client actually wants to do. I'm your host, Craig Day, head of the First Tech team, and joining me today to discuss how the principal home sale proceeds exemption works is Kim Guest, one of my senior managers. G'day, Kimbo. Hi, Craig. How are you? I'm good. Yourself? Very good. Love talking about sale proceeds. Oh, I can see the excitement in your eyes. I can see the excitement. Now, so as I said in the intro, when a client sells and purchases a new home, the impact on their social security entitlements needs to be carefully considered. Now, not only do we need to think about the impact if they sell their home and purchase another home that is less expensive, with those leftover or, God, sounds like dinner, doesn't it? Mm. Leftover or <laughs> residual uh, sale proceeds and how they could impact their social security entitlements. But we also need to think about how they're assessed in that period of time between when they sell their form, former home and they actually sign on the dotted line to buy a new one. Now, do you want to run us through how the social security rules uh, assess clients during that period? Social Security has an important concession that applies when a person sells their former home and intends to buy a new one. And if this concession did not apply, um, when they sold their former home and put the proceeds in the bank while they're waiting to find a new home, those sale proceeds would be accessible under the assets test and deemed under the income test, and that would often result in a reduction or cancellation of their Social Security entitlements. Well, I'd imagine there we're probably talking big big figures. Well, that's probably right. Probably them off, yeah? In a lot of cases, it would knock yeah. them off, definitely, yeah. yeah. So to prevent that from happening, Social Security have a concession that exempts the amount that they intend to spend on the new home under the assets test during that exemption period. Um, And they continue to be assessed as a homeowner for that period of time. And also under the income test, um, only the lower deeming rate, 0.25% currently, applies to the amount that they intend to spend on the new home, which obviously means it's not as bigger impact under the income test. So it's a really important concession. Well, so what, what happens there with those sale proceeds? Because obviously financial investments, does mm. does that push those other financial investments more over that, that threshold or do they, no. I think they segregate here, don't they? Yes, we're talking about, we'll get into the rules more in a minute, but we're talking about homes that are sold after 1st of January 2023. And what happens is the amount of money that they Um, put into a financial investment that they intend to spend on a new home, that's treated completely separately to all their other financial investments. So deeming applies as usual to everything else, but the money um, that they intend to use on the new home is just assessed at 0.25% and doesn't Doesn't, impact at all the other products. So that keeps it separate from all my other financial investments and I just go right 0.25% for that. Yep. Well, that actually sounds like a a really important concession because I guess 
you know, if we're not going to have a huge amount of deemed income coming in, which could right, really significantly impact someone's age pension, potentially even reduce it to nil, yeah. um, I would imagine that if I was in that position, that would put a lot of pressure on me to go out and want to buy the first home I found, but might not be quite right for me mm. because I'm worried about the impact on my age pension. Whereas yeah. this oh, might have a little bit of impact on my age pension, but it certainly takes a lot of that pressure off. So, so mm. that's a good outcome. And I think they also recently extended how long this concession applies for, didn't they? Yeah, that's right. So it's really aimed at encouraging pensioners to downsize from, you know, the large family homes that they may have had when they had children still at home to encourage them to move to smaller residences and to free up that housing stock. So the government extended the sale proceeds exemption by 12 months. So the way the rules work is where the former home is sold after the 1st of January 2023, um, the sale, they can get a sale proceeds exemption of up to 24 months. And in special circumstances, they, that can be extended to 36 months. And this is an extension to the rules that apply where the former home was sold before the 1st of January. So in that case, they used to only get, well, any homes that were sold prior to 1 January 2023, still only get 12 months as the maximum sale proceeds exemption with an additional 12 months um, only in special circumstances. Another thing to be aware of is that if the former home was sold before 1st of January 2023, those proceeds that they place in a financial investment that are waiting to be spent on the new home were actually um, or are actually still deemed at the normal deeming rates, so 0.25% and 2.25%. So that concessional deeming rate treatment only applies where you sell your former home after the 1st of January 2023, and that's when they just deem it at that lower deeming rate of 0.25%. Right, so kind of grandfathering in the, in the opposite way. Normally when we see the rules get tighter, they will grandfather those old rules. So those people under those old previous rules get concessional treatment. But here they're mm. going, we're making it more concessional. Yes. But if you sold before the 1st of January, bad luck though, we're going to grandfather you mm. under those old previously That's right. less concessional rules. So I suppose there we need to think if I've got a client that did sell last year that still hasn't bought. They're probably almost they're still, at the end of that period yeah, now, they? have only they? got the 12 months and they've got the full deeming. They don't yeah. get these new concessional rules. Yeah. Um, all right. So, all right. So looking at the sale proceeds exemption in a little bit more detail, which I know you love to do. Yes. Um, you mentioned that the amount they intend to spend on a new home is exempt under the assets test. Now, that word intention it's always an interesting concept. I've intended to lose five kilos <laughs> for about the last five years, but that mm, actually hasn't happened. <laughs> so how does it work in this situation? Well, the rules say that only the amount of the sale proceeds that are spent or intended to be spent on a new home qualify. So clients need to advise and link how much they intend to spend. And then we often get the question about, whether they have to improve, approve to Centrelink that mm. that intention is the correct intention and what happens if when they do eventually buy a house it's less or more, usually less, um, than they originally intended. Um, but generally speaking, people say, okay, I intend to spend a million dollars and then they find something for 900000 and they purchase it and they advise Centrelink that they've purchased something for 900000 and the question is, that extra 100000 that got the exemption, are they going to retrospectively go back and say, well, you didn't end up spending it, so we're not going to give you the exemption on that amount? And, and the answer is that 
as long as at the time you intended to spend a million and that's what you told Centrelink, yeah. then that's the amount that the exemption applies to. And they don't generally retrospectively go back and say, we're going to assess that extra amount of money, even though, because you didn't end up spending. From that perspective, when you think about it, it kind of might sound a bit strange, but you know, I can imagine a situation where a client does sell for a million and then they end up just buying another property for $900,000. Um, and as long as it was their intention to purchase another property for a million dollars, it, it would be unfair. You might, there might have been change in circumstances which led them to, to only purchasing for $900,000. It would be unfair to go and claw back all their, mm. their age pension that they received or some or all of it during that period. So, okay, so that, that sounds fairly straightforward to me. Um, what about in other situations? So, for example, what if they're going and buying a vacant block of land and building a new home? Yeah, well, the sale proceeds exemption applies in that case too. So, if they already own the land or if they purchase the land, um, as soon as the sale proceeds exemption commences, that land will be exempt and also the amount of money they intend to spend on building the new home will be exempt. Um, the important thing to remember though is that you never get an exemption um, that is more than the sale proceeds from your former home. So for example, if I sold a home for a million dollars and then I intended to build a new house and I, I intended to spend $1.2 million on the land and the building costs, Centrelink aren't going to give me an exemption on $1.2. They're only going to give me an exemption on $1 million because that's the sale proceeds from the former home and I can't get an exemption on more than a $1 million. All right. So that covers the situation where I'm, I'm building a new home. What if I buy a new home, but I don't like it and I go and knock it over mm -hmm. and I put a McMansion or something on it, rebuild, you know, a new a new home. How does how does that work? Yeah, well, that it also works in that case. So um, if you buy a house, knock it down, and rebuild it, then the sale proceeds exemption can apply to you know the value of the uh, the house that you bought and, and knocked down, and also the amount you intend to spend on that new residence. Um, and that sale proceeds exemption will apply until you move in to that new house. So you. You buy it, knock it down, you rebuild, you move in, as long as that was all intended to occur within the exemption period. So, um, you know, if it's after 1st of January 2023 that you um, sold your house, you've got that 24-month period unless you get an extension. Um, as long as you intend to knock it down, rebuild, move in within 24 months, then the sale proceeds exemption should apply until you move in. Also, interestingly, in the case of renovation, the same kind of rules apply. So if you buy a new house and you renovate it before you move in, the sale proceeds exemption can apply again to that new home and the amount you intend to spend on those renovations, um, as long as you intend to complete those renovations and move in within the exemption period. However, these are really complex situations. You can imagine there's lots of if, buts, and maybes around yeah. these things. So very advisable to get the client to go and have an appointment with the financial information service at Centrelink before entering into these arrangements so that they can verify how Centrelink will assess them in that situation. Yeah, and I suppose when you when you read a lot of the you know Centrelink information on this, they they're quite clear that they will assess this on a on a case by case basis. Yes. So therefore, they're acknowledging these circumstances are are quite complicated because people do different things, right? Mm. Um, what if I go and do this, and then or what if I change it to do that, or what if I can't move in, or all this sort of stuff? So please do go and chat to Centrelink or the the Fizz officer. Um, and they can help you through and provide a specific guidance in relation to the client's personal circumstances. Yeah. 
All right. Um, all right. So it sounds like sale proceeds exemption can apply in a range of these circumstances. Now, one thing you did mention back there is you, you talked about the sale proceeds exemption ends when they're rebuilding or renovating when they move into the property. Now, I've done a renovation and mm. I didn't like the fact that I was paying rent. And mm. at a certain point, that property became habitable again. But I wouldn't argue there that the renovation was finished. Mm. So what happens in that situation? As soon as you move in, sale proceeds ah, exemption ends. Right. So yeah. if I've still got $100,000 sitting in the bank account, which is going to be spent on the landscaping and the mm. downstairs bathroom and all this sort of stuff. Yeah, it becomes accessible. And then it as becomes as accessible. As soon as I move in, yeah. that's it. Okay. All right. What about if they're just purchasing a new home that's not being rebuilt or renovated? Well, in that case, the sale proceeds exemption actually ends the moment that they settle on the new home. So um, it's a bit different to the case where they're rebuilding or mm -hmm. renovating. Mm -hmm. It's it's not dependent on moving in. It's dependent on if it's a new home that's you know could be moved into. It's, it doesn't need rebuilding or renovating. Then as soon as they settle on that new home, the sale proceeds exemption ends. And if they move in straight away, no problem. They're just assessed as homeowners and they chug along. Where it becomes a bit more tricky is if they don't move in straight away. So they purchase the new house and they don't move in straight away. The sale proceeds exemption will end, but that new house becomes an accessible asset if they don't make it their principal home. And so they need to very carefully consider how it will be assessed when they purchase the new home um, if they don't move into it. Now, I'll just take you back a little bit there. You mm. talked about settlement. Yes. So not exchange of contracts. So normally when we go and buy a house, we exchange contracts. Mm. We wait our six-week settlement period or whatever it's going to be. Uh, and then I settle, I hand over the cheque and I get the keys in return. Yeah. And then if I move in straight away, yep. that's it. Sale proceeds exemption finishes. Yes. Yeah, so as soon as you settle, it finishes. And um, as long as you move in straight away, you continue to be a homeowner and, you know, that house is an exempt asset. Okay, well, what about if the client changes their mind and they sell their former home and they tell Centrelink they intend to spend X amount on buying a new home, but then they decide not to buy a new home? What happens then? Well, as soon as they changed their intentions, so as soon as they no longer intended to buy a new home, they need to advise Centrelink. And at that point, the sales proceeds exemption will actually end and the amount they intended to spend on the new home will become accessible. Okay, all right. Well, that makes sense. Now, you mentioned earlier on in the podcast that in some cases a client can get an additional 12 months. So I suppose in this circumstance it takes us out to 36 months. Um, mm. When does that apply? Yeah, well, where a client reaches the end of the exemption period, but they haven't managed to purchase or build the new home, they can get an additional 12-month exemption in some cases where they have experienced delays beyond their control. So to qualify, they must have made reasonable attempts to try and buy the new home, including building, rebuilding, repairing, renovating, within six months of selling the home. But then due to circumstances such as delays in obtaining building approval from the local council, which means that they can't then get the builder to build it, or maybe the client has been hospitalised for an extended period, or there are demands on the building industry and a particular area, like due to a natural disaster or a flood or a cyclone, and it's impossible to get a builder to come build the house or, or renovate it. 
those kinds of circumstances beyond their control mean that um, that it is possible that they might be able to get an additional 12-month exemption. So, so there have been members of the First Tech team, I meet one of them, that <laughs> right. did go through an extended process with my lovely local council, which I really, ah, really yes, like. Ah, yes, I remember that. Uh, yes, <laughs> where they had lots of fun and games with getting something, some renovations approved. Yes. So, mm. so in that situation, we also had... Um, Someone that's left now, I won't mention any names, but they actually owned a house in an area that um, got taken mm. out by bushfires and oh. they could not get a builder for love mm. nor money for 18 months. So yeah. that's good news to, to see that they do take those kinds of circumstances into account. Yeah. Okay, so only in special circumstances we get that extra 12 months. That's right, yeah. All right, I think that about covers it, Kim. Um, thanks for running through these concessions with us. Um, I think this is really important time. You know, obviously when when people are selling the family home, mm. we're dealing with big licks of money um, and that can potentially impact someone's age pension entitlement. So really important we advise to have an understanding of how these rules work. Um, and if things start to get a bit funky and strange and complicated, yes. what do we say? Go and talk to a fees officer. That's right. Go and talk to the financial information service officer. They can put some notes on the client's record as to what's discussed. It's, it's a very important thing to do, I think, when there's any kind of grey areas there. Yeah, if you get it wrong and they go off the mm. age pension, they're, they're not going to like you They're not going to like yeah. it. No. Okay. Um, now, we've got an article called Principal Home Sale Proceeds Exemption from 1 January 2023, which I think provides all the information if you want to know extra mm -hmm. about this. Um, so I think on that note, we'll finish it up there. Now, this is, I've mentioned this in some of our other podcasts this month, this is going to be our last podcasts for the year. So uh, if you haven't listened to those other podcasts, we do wish you a very merry and safe, very merry and safe holiday period and we look forward to recording some more podcasts early in the new year yes great thanks for listening everyone thanks for listening to the first tech podcast please note that these podcasts are designed for authorized financial advisors as a source of general information all scenarios considered during the podcast were purely hypothetical and for illustrative purposes only and do not constitute a recommendation to purchase, hold or sell any financial products or take any other course of action. You should read the relevant product disclosure statement before making any investment decisions and once again consider talking to a financial advisor. While all care has been taken in preparation of this podcast using sources we believe to be accurate and reliable, no person, including Colonial First State Investments Limited and Adventist Investments Limited, accepts responsibility for any loss suffered by any person arising from reliance on this information.